Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It is 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. If you want to give us a call, if you want to go to the social media, it is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates, that is where you can hear us. And, guys, what a week we have for you. Look, it's conference tournament time. We are absolutely going to dive into all of the conference tournaments and the conference tournaments. Look, there, there's some things there from a betting perspective that you got to be careful about, and we will get into that. I will tell you some of the season-long trends. One of them is absolutely shocking and goes against all kinds of norms, so we will get into that. We're going to look at what we think the brackets will be, and do the conference tournaments even matter in, in the big view of things, especially to a sports better? I contest that we really shouldn't put too much into the conference tournaments if we are talking about the big five or six conferences out there. So we will get into everything there. If we have a little bit of time, I'll touch on spring training and a little bit of the NFL as well. Look, we talked last week about the mid-majors and the importance of mid-majors and tournaments, right? I mean, we are looking at this where we're not talking about the mid-majors here, okay? I don't want to get into, is there an idea of, uh, well, you know, Penn and Princeton and who's going to get in and what would they? No, 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 no. We're not going to get into any of that. Any of the conference tournaments, we know the smaller conferences are going to get shafted. We, we understand that, okay? I, I think I really dug in deep with that last week. I think that that has been put out there, uh, and my feelings are, are well known. From a betting perspective, the mid-majors are something that we can still focus on moving forward. We'll do that next week because they'll be matched up against some of the big boys, and you have to understand who's going to be vulnerable, what kind of style they play. We will get into all of that when we're breaking down the actual brackets next week. Next week, on next week's show, I'm going to actually fill out the bracket live. I'm not going to look at it. I'm actually going to be uh, in Disney World for a couple of days. So when I get home, I am going to record this, and I'm going to fill out the brackets absolutely live with you and give you guys my, my real reactions. Then we'll break down the teams and everything else. So that's what I'm going to be doing next week. I will say this, though. You have to be aware of the the mid-majors more than any other year, I think. Not because of what St. Pete's did last year, but because I think a lot of teams at the top and the teams in the big conferences, well, they're vulnerable this year. And we're going to take a look at that today. But when we get into conference tournament time, I always, I've said this for years since I've been on the air, I always think it's funny when people say, oh, I can't wait for March Madness to come. And they mean the brackets, right? I mean, the general public... Uh, you know, the lady at the end that's filling out our brackets, when she says, I can't wait for March Madness to come, she means the brackets, right? She means the field of now 68 used to be the field of 64. That's what she's talking about. But the reality is the reason why we have dubbed this and uh, as a generation, as a, a collective unit, we've said March Madness it's because it starts in March. It starts with the conference tournaments. It starts with all kinds of conference tournaments. But I'm going to lay it out here for sports bettors and for sports fans alike that generally speaking, unless you're talking about the mid-majors or some random Cinderella, the tournaments, the big tournaments, almost don't matter. I know, I know that's blasphemy, right? But they almost don't matter. Look, do you really think that it matters if Kansas doesn't win the Big 12 tournament? Oh, they might be a one or a two. It, It shouldn't matter. Dick Vitale said last week, uh, when they played Texas and they lost to Texas, he said, it doesn't matter. They're still a one seed no matter what happens here. And don't think that the players don't have that in the back of their head. Don't think that a team like Kansas or Arizona or UCLA, yeah, they're fighting for position, but what's the difference? A one or two, a two or a three? There's some pride there. 
but it's not a lot. So I think that we put a lot of weight on must wins or, oh, whether this team's going to win in the conference tournaments, when the reality is, no, they don't have to. And you will see the public absolutely inflate lines this week during the conference tournament for teams that, well, they don't have really all that much to play for. There's obviously the idea, I want to win the, the ACC tournament, for example. I want to win the ACC tournament. Oh, it would be a huge win for me. Yes, there is that idea. Duke, you do want to win it, for example, right? But you're kind of locked into a four seed. If you win it, will you really move up? You're not getting a one. I mean, you're locked into a four seed in the ACC, right? You're not getting a one overall. You're not getting a two overall. You're not getting a three overall. I mean, you know, you're you're jockeying for small position here. So it's a sense of pride. And I'm not telling you that they don't want to go out there and win that. What I'm saying to you is that we shouldn't overrate what they are trying to do, and we shouldn't overvalue teams that are really good during the regular year, really good, and now they get into conference tournament time. And all of a sudden, oh, they're going to roll over people. No, they they, they probably won't. Now, the, again, the mid-majors, a team like Vermont or, you know, or a team like Penn or a Princeton, yeah, yeah they're going to, okay? They're, we know that. They're going to try to establish that because that's their only way in. But teams that know that they are on the field of 68, those teams that absolutely know I am in the field of 68 and now I'm just jockeying for position, and I'm not talking about giant position. I'm not talking about, you know, getting a, you know from a 5 to a 2. No, no, no. I'm talking about the small wins. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm going to be a 6. I might have to wind up being a 5. Those kind of teams, they worry me in conference tournament time from a betting perspective because they're usually overbet, okay? They're usually, uh, generally speaking, they're overvalued by the public, and they don't have to win, and they don't come with the same enthusiasm that sometimes we see during the field of 68. So I want to give you a breakdown before we go into all that. I want to give you a breakdown of basically a little bracketology where we sit right now, where we kind of are looking, what teams are are sort of in. I don't even want to call any teams bubble teams. What teams are sort of in? So I want to give you an overview of that so we can take this in segment two and talk about which teams might be overvalued, which teams might not necessarily need those wins, and that the public will be running to, and you could trim a couple of points off here and there. I'm not telling you, by the way, that it's a straight underdog tournament, but I do tend to lean underdogs during these big conference tournaments. During the the mid-majors, you know, anything can happen and everybody's got the excitement, but I tend to have a really hard time going against teams that have dominated, right? I have a hard time going against teams that have won the regular season title, have overly dominated. I have a hard time getting away from them, even if the underdogs sometimes are getting too many points, and generally they are. But in the, you know, the Power Six conferences, we'll call it, in the Power Six conferences, and you can include uh, St. Mary's and Gonzaga in that, even the Power Seven conferences, if you want to say, there's going to just be the idea that, you know what, I'm going to take this team just because I want to, I think they're going to win, and the underdogs are valuable. You also talk about the rest. Look, some of these teams are playing three, four days in a row. You also talk about the pace how tired they're going to be, the coaching analytics up against each other, and the idea that a lot of times in these tournaments, and this is something that is massively forgotten, a lot of times in these tournaments, a really good team, a one seed or whatnot, will jump out to a huge lead in the first half, even have a huge lead with about eight minutes to go. They got a 15, 16-point lead with eight minutes to go, and they only win the game by seven or eight points. Why? Well, they take their guys out. They're going, hey, I got to play a game tomorrow. Right? I mean, I, I, I got to keep these guys' legs fresh. So they start to sub in. They don't play it with as, uh, as much enthusiasm. There are a lot of backdoor covers during the tournament. And they also, there's also the idea that they don't want to go out there and squash a, a opponent, squash a team, squash a coach that they're going to have to face twice next year. There's no reason to, right? If we already won the game and we're moving on and, and it is all is said and done, all right, pull, pull the horses off. And you see these late little runs. You see these little late kind of runs. And I could go back, since I do talk about the Ivy Leagues a lot, just because, you know, that that's what I do. I have another show with the Ivy League show. I'll go back to last week. Cornell is up 22 or 23 points against Columbia. They won, no problem. Cornell's on their own floor. We know it. Here we go. Uh, and then suddenly they only won the game by 14 points. They only won the game by 14 points. A lot of books gave it out at minus 15, by the way. They only won the game by 14 points because they just didn't care at the end. You watch that. They pulled every senior out on senior day, right? They pulled every senior out. Here you go. Put in all the backups. Let them shoot. And they just didn't care at the end. And Columbia, with like one second to go, uh, had a meaningless two for everybody else in the country, except a backdoor cover for a lot of people out there. 
So you have to be very careful about the backdoor covers, about the rest. Uh, make sure you look at the schedule. Do they have to play back-to-back games and the coaching matchups? You know, a lot of these coaches, especially when you're looking at the bigger conferences, a lot of these coaches have coaches on that staff or they're very friendly with each other. There's no reason to squash them. You're up by 20 with, with six or seven minutes to go. Why, why are you going to squash them? You're, you're not going to. Which is also, by the way, getting into the over-unders, that happens a lot too. Pull the ball back, let them sit down, let's waste some clock. You see that happening a lot as well. So you might be cruising to an over. Oh, yeah, here we go. And then late in the game, oh, wait a minute. Okay, they're pulling it back. They're just eating the clock. They don't even care to score. And you see some of that too. So you got to be aware of that come conference tournament time. We won't, we won't really see that in the field of 68. Okay, not as much, at least we won't see, generally speaking, that's not something that should be a major factor, but it should be a pretty big factor when you're going into the conference tournaments. Okay, so let's look, Uh, you know, look, you have the first four in, first four out, you have all that stuff, who's on the bubble, team like North Carolina loses to Duke, they're going to have to win their ACC championship, so anything that I say here is... Also with a little bit of an asterisk where, hey, maybe a team like North Carolina goes crazy and wins the ACC championship. But generally speaking, teams like North Carolina are going to be out. Arizona State probably not going to be in Michigan. You know, Utah State uh, hanging on by a thread. Nevada will be out. Penn State, uh, maybe Wisconsin, but these are bubble teams. These are teams that need those wins in the conference tournament. Teams like USC, Boise State, Auburn, West Virginia, Mississippi State, uh, Oklahoma State, Clemson. Oregon, I I think they need a real good tournament to kind of push themselves into that sure thing sort of category. So I'm not looking at them particularly. I think that they are all, depending on where they finish during this conference tournament, I think that they are all teams that are either, you know, just in or just out. And it kind of depends on what do you believe, right? It kind of depends on, do you like the team? Do you not like the team? Eh, they're either first four in, first four out. Eh, you know, maybe here and there. I mean, that's that's what you're talking about with these type of teams. A you know, a Penn State, a, a Nevada, probably with their loss to UNLV, they're out. But they have to have a good tournament, and they certainly can. But that's not who I'm talking about when we're talking and discussing who to sort of fade here because they may not need the tournament. Alabama and Kansas are in. Okay, Alabama and Kansas both want that number one seed, sure. They both have things to play for, Kansas losing against Texas. So maybe there's a little incentive there. Alabama with the nonsense off the court, maybe there's a little incentive there. All right, Alabama Tech uh, and Kansas, I'm not saying I'm fading against them, but they really can't hurt their stock overly. I mean, uh uh-oh, Kansas might be a two. I still don't think it matters. I still think they'll be a one. But if they go from a one to a two, it's not the worst thing in the world. Teams like Providence, Rutgers, Illinois, Memphis, they need the game. So I'm almost taking them out. A team like TCU is intriguing. Now, TCU falls into this kind of category for me. TCU is a team that you look at this and you go, okay, they're probably selected right now to be a four or a five. If they win the tournament, how high can they possibly get? I don't think they're getting any higher than a three. probably still about a four. So TCU's a team that they may be a little overrated come the Big 12. Uh, They might be because they don't necessarily need it. Same thing with an Indiana. Locked in that 4-5 zone, uh, that's an interesting equation here. Xavier, Xavier's in that same realm. Xavier comes in in the same kind of situation. A Northwestern, an Iowa State, they're about five sixes. Maybe they could fall to a seven or eight. Does it really overly matter? No, it doesn't. And that's what I'm making the argument today. It almost doesn't matter. A Marquette. Look, you're not getting a one seed, even if you win the Big East, right? So I think that they deserve to be a two, but I think the committee's going to see them as a three. I don't think they're falling any further than a four. Marquette most likely will be overpriced here, okay? Against Zaga, you can't go with them. They're they're against the norm. Uh, They're always overpriced, and they, they will be again here. Kentucky. USC, they're kind of locked into that. I mean, USC's on the bubble. Kentucky's kind of locked into that. You go to a pit at Texas A&M, they're trying to fight for positioning, so they don't go with this. Baylor, UCLA, yeah, both of these teams sort of into that two range. I think they have hopes of a one. I don't think they really get a one, and I don't think they could really fall far out of a two, maybe a three. So those are two teams. Both of them probably will be overpriced game-by-game basis here. That's two teams to watch. 
Purdue and Houston. Ah, Purdue wants to stay a one. Houston wants to go out there and prove things. That Houston is is not a team to fade, but they will be overpriced. Uh, Purdue's been overpriced seemingly all year to me. The Missouris of the world, the Maryland's of the world, the Arkansas's of the world. I think that they they're they're in that eight nine range, but they could fall and they could even maybe even fall out of this thing with a terrible showing. A team like Miami, ACC co-champions. I still think that they are a four seed. I think the highest that they could get is a four seed. I don't think they're getting a three. Maybe. I mean, maybe they could squeak out a three. But they're generally a four seed, maybe a five seed. Creighton's the same situation. You win the Big East, you you have the ceiling of a three, but you're generally a four, five, maybe a, maybe a six. UConn and Virginia, Duke, they're all in that same vein, right? UConn, Virginia, Duke, Creighton, Miami, all of them are in that let's fight it out for four, five, six. So when I look at teams like that and they're fighting it out for that four, five, six, people know, hey, Virginia, Miami, ACC champions, right? Oh, here we go. They're going to, oh, that's going to be the team. And uh, you want them in. Creighton's been, you're going to, same thing, Creighton and UConn, you're going to overvalue them, or maybe not you because you guys are listening, but <laughs> people are going to overvalue them moving on. They're going to overvalue them in the conference tournament because they've been so good. But the reality is that coaches know, while it would be great to win the Big East tournament, it would be fantastic to win the big uh, the ACC tournament, their coaches also absolutely know, look, I got to save these guys for the big tournament. Because a team like Miami, while they might end up a four or a five seed, they have hopes, They have, more than hopes, I mean, everybody has hopes. They have real insight to say, hey, we can make a Final Four run. Creighton is a team, probably a four or five. They have real real direction saying we want to make a final four run virginia believes they have a final four run in them so these are teams duke probably thinking you know what we can we might get this thing right and get an elite eight run they have bigger and better things on their ledger than to go out there and destroy a team when the line is you know whatever it's going to be you know minus 13 minus 14 they don't have to go out there and win that game by 20 they don't have to so they they don't need to Kansas State and Texas, I think they're both in the same vein. Texas is not going to get a one seed. I, I know that they beat Kansas. And if they win the Big 12, there will be people arguing that Texas should absolutely get the one seed. I, I don't see them getting it. And I think that they're sort of locked in at two now, uh, unless a bad showing, of course. So they're, they're another team. Kansas State, same kind of thing. Arizona, they're not going to be much momentum upward. Tennessee, I think they're all locked into the 2-3-4. And, and that's my point. Look, we know that they're in, okay? And we know that they're going to do well while they're in. Um, but so does the general public. And the public loves to back teams that have name recognition, number one. And all of the teams that I kind of just went out there and mentioned all have name recognition. They all have had a very good regular season, yeah, uh, they know, okay, you know, I'm going to put them in a bracket, and I know this team, the public is going to race to take these teams that may be overvalued. And when I say overvalued, I'm not telling you that they can't win the ACC or the Big Ten, 12, or, or the Big Ten tournament. I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you is that from a betting perspective, their line will be a little higher than it should be. Um, North Carolina against Duke last week in a classic game last Saturday. You look at North Carolina and Duke. Duke is the better team. Duke is gunning for like a five seed in the tournament. Uh, Duke has been playing a lot better. North Carolina can't get out of their own way. North Carolina is a disaster. North Carolina is going to be the first number one overall preseason team to not make the tournament. Okay, North Carolina is terrible in eight ways till Sunday. Okay, they, they are bad. But they were playing at home, and it's a rivalry game. That line opened up at three and a half. It was bet up to five in some spots. That's overvalued overvalued because North Carolina had to win. I'm doing air quotes on the radio again. Had to win the game. They had to go out there and beat Duke. They had to do well, they didn't. Okay? And that's the overvalue. Uh, They lost outright. It was a close game. But to give five points in that spot to a team that's better than you when you haven't played well all year, it's a crazy bet. And people are loading up on UNC. Uh, Again, it's not hindsight, it's 2020. It's just the reality of the situation. People loaded up. UNC became overvalued. The Carolina Tar Heels became a team that you looked at and you said, yeah, everyone's jumping on their bandwagon just for that game, obviously. And they let you down. 
Well, they let you down because they were overvalued. So when I say overvalued, I'm not saying that this team, hey, this team that, that, that I might tell you is overvalued, they might go on and win the national championship, okay? But they could still be overvalued. They go on and win the national championship and not cover a conference championship line. I mean, that very well could happen. So we have a lot of these games and a lot of these teams that I think you have to look at and you have to say, yeah, that is a team that falls into that category. That is a team that falls into the category of they will be a few points overrated. They will be a few points overshot. We're looking at these teams as publicly backed teams. And when you take into the account that they have to play a couple of days in a row, you add into the account that they've had a good regular season and they know that they have a long season with big dreams ahead, including national championship and final four run. And then you take into account the tired legs and everything else. Guys, you start to look at this and you go, yeah, the underdogs are a little bit better in that spot. They are a little bit, I guess, more appetizing, we can say, in those spots. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we do come back, I'm going to get into uh, the idea and the concept of betting afternoon games during the week because it's going to be very important next week. All that and more right after this right here on Wagering Week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, you know, I've been talking about the ACC tournament, so let's go take a look at those ACC tournament odds. Virginia's on top at plus 275. Miami comes in at plus 350. Duke is 6-1. to one. NC State, 6-1. to one. North Carolina's 8-1. to one. Pittsburgh is 10-1. to one. Virginia Tech, 15-1, to one, along with Wake Forest, 15-1. to one. Clemson is 20-1. to one, And Syracuse, way on bottom, at 100-1. to one. Look, I mean, you know, you could look at this in a lot of ways, and you you want to look for for somebody out there, right? Who can to, can make some noise? And when people look at these tournaments, what they really do is they're looking for that underdog. Okay, it's it's almost too easy uh, to take the, the favorites, but not in this case, not in the ACC. Look, Virginia has not looked good lately, right? I mean, they just haven't. They are the best team in this conference because they play the best defense. I think they have the best coach. Uh, maybe the best coach in the country. I, I absolutely love it. But at, you're not even getting three to one back on a team that has been spiraling downhill, a team that has not played well. Let's just be honest. Virginia has not played well at all. Miami's just plus 350. They make a lot of sense. They won the regular season title. They're streaking in the right direction. But this should be like a five to one where Miami is. And you're getting plus 350 because of who Miami is. I don't see value in that, but I have a hard time betting against Miami. But, but I don't see value in that. Now, Miami's defense falters at times. I don't see a lot of value in that. You go to the bottom, people are going to try to take a long shot. Syracuse, look, it's just not their year. Clemson needed wins at the end, and they got some wins at the end where I think that they are a tournament team. But even at 20-1, to 1, it's just too much to ask them to plow through everybody and win this thing. Wake Forest at a point in the season, they were an interesting bet. Uh, but I look at Wake Forest, and, and again, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, interesting bets. 15-1 to 1 is almost enticing. Almost, but just not quite enough. Pitt at 10-1 to 1 makes some sense. Pitt, we've seen the highs and the lows this year. Pitt at, at any given moment could beat anybody. Uh, but again, do I think that they're going to go through multiple teams to do it? Look, I think Pitt ha- has a run in them. And I'll circle Pitt as 10-1. to 1. If I was getting 15-1 to 1 with Pitt, I'd be on them. But at 10 to 1, I'm a little hesitant. North Carolina is going to be everyone's darling. We talked about them. 8 to 1. Look, if you could not win a game on your home floor on senior day when you had the lead with, with just a few minutes left in that game and you couldn't close that out against Duke in a sloppy, ugly game that you were lucky to be in the game because you kept going to the foul line, you're not winning this tournament. You're not winning this. No. They're going to get overbet. No way. That leaves Duke and NC State. Look, I know Duke is not what they once were. Duke has some holes. 
Duke has some certain flaws. Uh, but I like what I've seen in Duke at times this year. Six to one is not enough to make me bite. If you could get an eight to one, maybe they're shot. And NC State's the same thing. NC State is going to be a team that goes up and down the floor on you. NC State's going to give uh, teams just all kinds of fits. Let's just be honest. But NC State's a team, there you go. You know, not somebody I'm jumping at the chance to go and take. So I, I think that the ACC is pretty jumbled up right here at the top. And the ACC is is also, there's nobody that jumps out. It's anyone's game. Can we say that? I mean, I mean, can we say it's anyone's game? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be just about anyone's game here. I don't see a real value. You could maybe twist my arm and get me to take a shot on a red-hot pit. Maybe if I was getting 8-1 to one instead of 6-1, to one, I'd take a shot at Duke. Uh, I just don't like betting against Miami and Virginia, and I don't think that there's enough value in Miami or Virginia. And while we're at it, let's take a look at some of these other conferences here and, and who I might take a shot at. Uh, you look at the Big Ten. The Nebraska's, Ohio State's, Minnesota's. I, I know somebody out there actually put uh, uh, like $3,000 on Ohio State to win it all. And, and I'm going, wait a minute. Uh, forget about that. Just take them with the odds to win the Big Ten tournament. If you love an, un, uh, an underdog this year to go all the way and win the big tournament, don't even have to take them. Take them to win their big, you know, the Big Ten tournament. Take all that money, roll it over into the big tournament, and you get better odds that way. But look, let's be honest. Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State, Minnesota, Penn State, even Rutgers, who I think should make the tournament, none of them are going to get a lot of action. None of them should get a lot of action, right? Michigan State will get action. Michigan State will be a team that people like to go by on. Michigan State's a team that people will gravitate towards because of Tom Izzo. Michigan State is a team that certainly can do something here. I I don't think that they do. Illinois, I've seen, uh, at times, Illinois just looks downright awful. I don't know if they could string these games together. Same thing with Northwestern. Northwestern's a team that I have absolutely been impressed with this year. I think they can make a big tournament run. I'm kind of leaning with Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, you can get me to get Northwestern with some nice odds. Iowa, I don't buy into their defense at all. Maryland, up and down team. But man, when they elevate, they really elevate. Michigan, no, no, no for Michigan. There's not going to be any, I mean, literally, there's not going to be absolutely any value on Purdue. So that leaves Indiana. I mean, the problem is, is there value on Indiana? I I think that's up in the air to ask. I think that that the Indiana value is there. I kind of want to lean Northwestern. But the Indiana value can also be there as well. you got to get a good number with Indiana. But I could see the, them winning this thing. I still think that they're the best team in this conference, although obviously everyone's going to look to Purdue. So you can get decent odds. I think that Indiana is a team that can can roll here. I'm not counting Izzo out and you know the talent level there. I don't see it, though, and I didn't see it before the year. Indiana was my team before the year, so maybe I'm leaning towards them a little bit. But I'm also getting some value back with Indiana, and value is the name of the game at this point in the season. Let me give you my quick thoughts on the Big 12 here. Look, it's Kansas and seemingly everybody else, but not really. Look, what you do is just watch Texas beat them, right? And Texas is going to get a lot of love here. Baylor, uh, Baylor's right there. They could be a number two seed. And when you're talking about, uh, you know, the, the first three or four, they're all two to one or less. Texas Tech is right in the mix here. TCU is going to make a run. Oklahoma offers some value. I've seen Oklahoma play at their absolute best. Now, you know K-State's going to give people, and people are going to love Huggins and everything. Oklahoma might be that kind of shocking team laying in the weeds waiting for, uh, you know, these these other teams, and uh, maybe they make a run. Again, if we're sitting back and we're talking about the reality of, of making a run and you're taking an underdog, well, of course, right? I mean, the underdog is going to be come back with a lot of value. It's hard to bet against Kansas. It's hard to bet against Kansas, Baylor, you know, and Texas if you're doing this. Kansas, Baylor, Texas, TCU, and K-State if you're doing Oklahoma. But if you're getting back 10 to 1, 12 to 1, 15 to 1 odds on Oklahoma, which I've seen them fluctuate, yeah, you could take a shot at Oklahoma. I I could understand that. Let's go to the Pac-12. UCLA, Arizona, they are on top, obviously. We've watched that battle at the end of the year. USC doesn't offer me anything like 8-1. to Oregon, Utah, Arizona State. There'll be people on Arizona State, but I don't see it. Washington State, Colorado, Stanford, Washington, Oregon State, Cal. The Utah injuries take them out of being a surprise team. I mean, to me, again, it's a two-team race. It's UCLA. It's Arizona. Those are the only teams that really matter in this. And I can't bet one way or the other or against one way or the other. Um, Let's take a look at the SEC. You look at 
the Alabama Crimson Tide, they are a, a pretty massive favorite here, right? Minus 240. Tennessee comes in at 2-1. to one. They get Auburn, 22-1. to one. You got a Kentucky at, at like 48, right? Uh, te- Texas A&M at 30. We watch what they did. Brandon Miller is the guy that everyone's going to be looking at Alabama and waiting for them to collapse and waiting for them to fall. It's very rare to watch a team like Alabama to go on and win 24, 25 games, whatever it might be, then in the regular season, then go on to win the SEC championship, and then go on to win the big championship. If you're Alabama, you almost hope that they stumble along the way here uh, just so maybe the big championship is a little bit better. And you look at the other teams. Texas A&M can upset anybody at any time. We watched them upset Alabama just last week. Yes, they absolutely can. I don't buy into it. Tennessee, hey, maybe as long as they don't run into Kentucky, maybe. But those Kentucky games still stick in my mind. Coach Cal has Kentucky playing really well. Good odds, but I don't see them win multiple games there. And it's the same thing with Bruce Pearl. I don't see him winning multiple games. Very, very difficult to bet against what generally is considered the number one team in the country at Alabama, but I'm not taking minus 240 odds there. A little bit of tournament history here, just because you could see the dominance of Kentucky. So last year, Tennessee won uh, against A&M, Alabama the year before that against LSU, Auburn against Tennessee, and then Kentucky kept Tennessee, Kentucky beat Arkansas, Kentucky beat A&M, Kentucky beat Arkansas. Again, going back, you get Florida, Mississippi, Vanderbilt uh, from there. But if you look at this, Vanderbilt, Mississippi, Florida, even with the Kentucky win when they won four straight, Vanderbilt, Mississippi, Florida, Kentucky, Auburn, Alabama, and Tennessee, seven teams have won the SEC since 2012. Seven different teams have won the SEC since 2012. It is very, 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 very hard. I understand it. It is very hard to bet against Alabama here, uh, but I I can't take a minus 240. I I just can't do it. I can't take a minus the 240. I think 240 is just a little too much. The conference that really has me real excited is the Big East Conference and the Big East Tournament that I think can get real excited at Madison Square Garden. So the Big East is interesting to me. It's the most interesting conference tournament that we'll have because I legitimately believe we have, I mean, you want to throw Providence there? I don't know if I'm throwing Providence, but we have, we have a chance to have six teams not only win the tournament, but really go far overall in the big tournament. And and let's let's talk about these teams. Okay, first, first off, look, DePaul... Uh, and Georgetown all the way on the bottom, 250 to one. They're not winning this. Butler, 200 to one, not winning this. St. John's is like 40 to one. Seton all 25 to one. There'll be people that take a shot at those, but it's really the big six, right? And Villanova and Providence, uh, plus 650. Xavier's plus 450. Creighton's plus about 420. UConn plus 350. Marquette's three to one. When I get intrigued about all of this, right? Marquette won the regular season title. Okay, they won it. More comfortably than I think people realize, okay? Marquette is a team that I believe has been slept on a little bit here. Um, just a little bit. But I don't love them at 3-1. to one. Shaka Smart's done a good job. I'm not a huge fan of Shaka Smart and the way that his teams show up in the postseason. Uh, but, but this is less about what I believe in Shaka Smart and less about what I believe in Marquette. As it is, I just think that the conference as a whole is absolutely stacked. Absolutely stacked, right? So you look at six of the 11 teams reach double digits in conference play, right? You look at who spent time in the top 25, Marquette, UConn, Xavier, Providence. They're all there right now, right? I mean, Creighton, they're all there now. You you look at analytics, right? And, and, and you look at the analytics of where they should be. All of these teams, all six of these teams have a chance to make the Sweet 16. All of them do. So you look at a team like a Providence. Yeah, they've been pretty good, uh, you know, or they, they they had been pretty good. But I don't know, you know, do you believe in them? You go Xavier, and Xavier kind of fell on on their face a little bit. Providence is now seven and five in the last twelve games. I don't love that. Villanova, they started bad. They won four of their first twelve games, but they really ended really well, right? I mean, they ended really well. Uh, you look at at what this team could possibly do. At the end of the day, I mean, my my, it's hard to bet against Marquette, but but I would, and I can't be going on Villanova or Providence, even though despite their what they've done, and Xavier lets me down every year. I said that in the preseason, right? Uh, but Xavier lets me down every single year. Xavier lets me down. So this is between UConn and Creighton, and I would I would lean Creighton just because I'm getting more value there. 
I mean, I'm just getting more value with Creighton. That's why I would lean Creighton. But but UConn works, right? I mean, UConn absolutely can be that team. You do look at Marquette, and it is a shame that we don't look at them as a powerhouse. It's five of the six losses were by 20 total points combined. I mean, this team could be an absolute power powerhouse. But I look at what the Huskies did to them, and that's one of their situations where, yeah, it's not a good thing. I, I watched Creighton. Creighton got robbed, right? I mean, Creighton got robbed. You you look at Creighton and UConn, and I, I think I'm kind of splitting hairs here, and this is why I like the Big East so much. This is why I want to have a conversation about the Big East. Because the Big East, in general, first of all, six teams are getting in at least into, into the tournament. And in general... I'm already looking. I have to see the matchups, and I'm going to do the brackets with you guys live, like I said. I have to see the matchups, and I have to see the numbers. You could get, just as of last week, you could get Marquette at like 30-1 to 1 to win the national championship. You could get Creighton at like 40-1. to 1. You get UConn at like 40-1, to 1, right? I'm looking at Providence, and I'm going, I can see a run for them, depending on who they, who they get, where they slot. I can see a run for Providence, and taking Providence certainly out of the first weekend. Can I see Providence as a Sweet 16 team? If I squint real hard, I think I could see Providence as a Sweet 16 team. And this is this is before knowing what they're going to do in the Big East tournament. This is before the Big East tournament. I think I could see Providence as a Sweet 16 team. Villanova, look, there's no Jay Wright there, and there's going to be a lot of value. I don't know if I see them as a Sweet 16 team, and I'm not even saying that they're not as good as Providence. I don't know if I could see their, their game being brought over to a Sweet 16 team. But do I think that Villanova could get out of the first weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, again, if I squint, I could. I think that there's none of these teams are losing in the first weekend in the big tournament. So when you go into the Big East tournament, oh, obviously that's going to be interesting. Let's get into Xavier. I said it. Xavier lets me down every single year. There's been multiple years where I have Xavier in the Elite Eight. I've had Xavier over the course of my last, like, 10 years in the, big, in, in the Final Four. And year after year, after year, Xavier lets me down. Xavier is just the team that I could count on to let me down. But it's new team, new players, new situation, right? New leadership there. You're getting plus 450 for the Big East tournament. If they had another Big East, look, I'm telling you this today before the Big East tournament begins. Xavier lets me down. I, I think that Xavier could be the one team in the Big East that, sure, can they make a, a Sweet 16 run? Yes, but they let me down all the time. So I probably won't have them going forward in the brackets. But here's the thing with Xavier. It's saying, let's go back to the Godfather. Ah, just when I, I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Well, Xavier is the team that pulls me back in. Xavier's the team that if they have a big, big East tournament here, they don't even have to win it all. They go to the final game. I think I'll buy back into them. And I think I could see them as a Sweet 16 team. Now let's get into the others. Creighton. Not only do I see Creighton as a value to win the big East tournament, I think that Creighton could be a Final Four team. Yeah, I think that they are that good. Creighton has had some rough, really tough losses here. Creighton has had some bad situations late. You could blame the refs. You could blame whatever. And I'm blaming them, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm out there. I'm throwing it out. But Creighton's a team that has that moxie. They have that, uh, that little something that you want. Creighton matches up really well with what the tournament does. Now, Creighton has fallen in the Big East. They have gone up against what I consider a dominant Big East. So I don't love Creighton plus 450, but plus 450 or so, or plus 420 or so, um, it, it's 4-1 it's to one odds for them to be, win the Big East. Yeah, I like that. But I also am looking at the bigger picture. I absolutely think that they are the team that people are sleeping on. They get out of the first weekend. I think that they can be an Elite Eight team. And yeah, I think if they get hot, they could get, be a Final Four team. I don't know if championship level can be thrown at them, even at 40 to 1 odds. Yeah, I could probably hedge that. I don't love them. UConn, almost identical to what I just said to Creighton. There's been times this year where UConn, to me, is a Final Four team. I don't know if I could see UConn going to the Final Four, but if they get a favorable bracket, oh, I usually fill out two or three brackets, guys. If they get a favorable bracket, UConn will be in one of them in the Final Four. I mean, they will. That, that's just reality. I think UConn has the ability to be the best team in this conference. I think UConn at nearly 40-1 to 1 themselves has the ability, maybe not to win it all, but to get to a Final Four. 
And here we go. I already told you. I think Providence gets to a Sweet 16 or can get to a Sweet 16. I think Providence or Villanova can. I think Xavier Xavier definitely can. I think Creighton and UConn certainly get there. And I think UConn and Creighton both can get to an Elite Eight. And then you go to Marquette. I just talked about Marquette. I talked about Marquette being just an absolute powerhouse. That Marquette is <laughs> not many games away from just flexing their muscles and saying, no, look, we should be a number one seed. They're not far away from that. Now, I don't like Shaka Smart in, in the postseason. I, I generally don't love the the way that Marquette goes about their business. I don't like the the way that they are the, the, their play. It's just not aesthetically pleasing for me, but I can't go against the results. The results are Marquette is a dominant team, and they could be an even better dominant team. I do, will not take them at 3-1 to one odds to win the Big East, but I certainly believe that they can. And if they win the Big East, how can I not say that they could be a Sweet 16 team? Of course I can. I got three, maybe four teams in a Sweet 16 out of the Big East. Could they be an Elite 8 team? Of course they can. I have two, maybe three teams as an Elite 8 team. Could they be a Final 4 team? Yes, Marquette could be a Final 4 team. So I could have two or three teams in the Final 4 from the Big East. Now, again, that's not how it's going to work out. We're going to see the brackets going to shift and everything's going to be different. But I want to give you a perspective on the conference tournament and where I sit because, yeah, these could get real entertaining and the Big East is the one to watch. I think you got a lot of value in Creighton and you even could have a little value in UConn. Basically, you could take both of them and just bet against the field, which really what you're doing is betting against Marquette. But again, I'm talking about the big tournament, right? And the big tournament is in the future. Now let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to the future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. Brings us to the NFL, where the Raiders are still the team looking at Aaron Rodgers. Minus 200 odds. The New York Jets plus 140. And the Titans are up to 10 to 1 odds. All of that is for Aaron Rodgers and what team he will suit up for next year if it is not the Green Bay Packers. That is bet to the future. Now, it's interesting about Aaron Rodgers, guys, that... Last week, uh, The Athletic reported that the Las Vegas Raiders have decided not to pursue Aaron Rodgers. They will not pursue him. Uh, Nobody cared. (laughs) The odds almost didn't matter. The odds almost didn't move. Now, later on in the week, Adam Scheffler, among others, there was about three or four people, said that the New York Jets are really, really, really eyeing uh, Aaron Rodgers. They're making a big push. There are people in the know with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know even know if that's a thing, but there are people in the know with Aaron Rodgers that says that he is looking at the Jets, that he prefers the Jets. All of it really didn't matter. I mean, you could get the Jets right now uh, at, at plus 140. Rodgers not going to the Raiders it doesn't make any sense for, for the Raiders to kind of pull out other than a negotiating ploy. And what we hear, I talk about it all the time during draft season. You'll hear me harping on it again this draft season. A lot of disinformation, right? The disinformation campaign will be out in full force. And I think that that's what we have a case of here with the Raiders not going after Aaron Rodgers. Jared Stidham is their, is their best option to be week one starter, right? I mean, that's, that's Jared Stidham, guys, okay? Uh, drafting a quarterback... Ah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that they're going to, unless they move up, they're, they're not going to really have an opportunity to do it. I know I hear a lot of people saying, well, maybe Will Levis. Yeah. And then if they lose Aaron Rodgers, and I've made mention to this before, the same thing with, with the same, same thing with the Jets, the Titans, uh, you know, Tennessee and everybody else. If they lose him, now you go to Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, maybe, but he's probably going to sign Baker Mayfield. That's what we're looking at, right? I mean, you're looking at Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo. As kind of your backups, because Derek Carr's not going there. You want Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz is going to be available. Washington got rid of Carson Wentz. So while the Jets can pivot to a Derek Carr, while New Orleans can pivot to a Derek Carr, while the Titans can pivot to a Derek Carr, while a, a team like you know the Colts they can certainly go out and make a draft pick, while the Texans can go out there and make a draft pick, these teams that can pivot. Do not include the Raiders. So I understand why the sports books aren't moving. And I wanted to kind of give an explanation of that. I don't think that the Raiders are going to land him. I don't think that he is. Look, I think I think he's going to probably go to the Jets if he if he leaves Green Bay. I don't think he's going to the Vegas Raiders. I think that Aaron Rodgers looks at that conference, looks at that division, and just goes, ouch. You know, I mean, that, 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 that's, I mean, really. The New York Jets give him. Uh, a coach that he knows, coach that he likes, 
it gives him wide receivers that are explosive. Uh, it gives him a young running back. It gives him the New York marketplace, the New York spotlight. There's a lot going for him if it's New York. In Vegas, yes, you get Devontae Adams, 100%. And you get Josh Jacobs, by the way. Yeah, you get that. You get a head coach that, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Raiders want to run him out of town already, right? You get a head coach that, I, I'm just going to flat out say, he's just not very good, <laughs> right? I mean, he's just not very good. We don't know how Aaron Rodgers feels about him, but he's not very good. You go into a conference with Mahomes, Herbert, maybe a rejuvenated Russell Wilson. You're in a spot where, you know, I'm not sure if winning is the priority there in, in Vegas. It's more of the showmanship. And I could say that about quite a few teams in Vegas. So the Aaron Rodgers to Las Vegas thing, it's not, sports books are not buying it that he's not going there. And I get it. Just a gut feeling that he doesn't go to Vegas. And, and, I would be looking at the Jets at plus money. Plus 140, plus 150, depending on where you're looking. The Jets plus money makes some sense, at least for me. I'm not going to be betting on this. This is not a market that I bet on. I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. And I, I tend to think that he probably will suit up for Green Bay again. But we'll see. The diva, we don't know. I mentioned that Carson Wentz, he does intend to continue playing. He's going to have to settle for a backup role somewhere. It's not the worst thing in the world. Carson Wentz is going to have to settle for a backup role. He's going to be a highly, uh, I guess, touted pro, you know, backup. He's going to be one of the better backups in the league, almost no matter where he goes. He's not a starter. After the injury, he's gone downhill. We know that. Um, he might get into that starting role. Look, if he winds up in Indy or he winds up in, in Houston behind one of these rookies, there's a chance that they let him start a little bit. If he goes to a place where Jimmy Garoppolo is at, yeah, Jimmy G, not exactly the bastard of hell. I could see Carson Wentz being a starter again. Speaking of quarterbacks, Taysom Hill, they restructured the contract to Taysom Hill. Uh, look, he's not a quarterback anymore. We know that. We don't know what he's going to be at the next level. But a little quarterback news there. Uh, Josiah Anderson from CBS Sports is reporting that the Dolphins are exploring all options at quarterback. Ooh, ooh, I don't know what that is. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, Chris Greer, the general manager for the Dolphins, basically off the cuff said he has concerns about the long-term quarterback Tua, right? I mean, he's got concerns. We all do, but you just don't say that out loud. Now, they have until the 1st of May to pick up Tua's fifth-year option. Uh, this is now getting to a point where I wonder if they do. I wonder if Aaron Rodgers gets into play going to the Miami Dolphins. Is there a chance? Is there a chance that, we're looking at another team in the mix. I, I'm not sure, but I will tell you what, stranger things have happened. I, I know everyone's going to look at the Brady thing because of the tampering and all that went on with Brady, but that's a landing spot, right? I mean, that is a landing spot as well. And what do you do with Tua? Do they trade? Do they trade for maybe a guy like Bryce Young? By the way, Bryce Young weighed in at 204 pounds. Uh, Kyler Murray weighed in at 207. They are nearly identical. Both of them measured in at five foot ten. both of them. Um, so yeah, he's, he's basically Kyler Murray. His hand size is actually bigger than Murray's. If you like Kyler Murray, you're going to like Bryce Young as far as logistics go and all that. But remember, and I know that he had a lot of fun with this, by the way, this week. And I, and I thought it was pretty great. He had a lot of fun with this. Joe Burrow basically, uh, making, making fun and poking fun at the draft combine because remember he had small hands. He was never going to make it. So Joe Burrow put something out on Twitter to the effect of, like, the ball keeps slipping out of my small hands. Yeah, I, ha, 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 right? And, but but I laugh, too, because the combine's kind of a joke. Right? Guy, guy runs, oh, he ran a 4-4-7 instead of a 4-4-9. What? What? Are we really? You know, oh, the, how about the high jump? That high jump, that long jump, all of that for a quarterback. Does that really matter? So some of the combine's a joke. Uh, this was uh, having a little fun with that. What about Baker Mayfield, by the way? Uh, Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer is saying the Niners might be in on Baker Mayfield. Here's another guy. He's like a Carson Wentz. You don't want him to be your starter for the full 18-game season. You don't think that Baker Mayfield is lifting up a Super Bowl trophy. But can he be a serviceable guy for three, four games when you need him, for five, six games when you need him? Can he be a guy that just gets enough done I think Baker Mayfield showed that, yes, he absolutely can be that guy. So when the Aaron Rodgers chips fall, and the Daniel Jones, which should fall pretty quickly, when the Aaron Rodgers chips fall and the Derek Carr chips fall, now you're left with the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world, maybe the Carson Wentz's of the world, 
potentially the Baker Mayfields of the world, and you start to get into a position where, all right, they're not my starter, and I'm not asking them to be my starter, but can they be something else? Can they be that bridge guy to get me to my young player? Could they be that guy that I have as a secured backup that will make sure that they get me, you know, four, three, four games, four or five games, and I don't feel bad? You don't want that much. You know, you really look at a backup and say, all right, a week or two. Can I plug him in for a week or two? But I always looked at this, and I've talked to some coaches when you're talking about backup quarterbacks. They go, can you give me 500 for a month? So let's say you play, you know, four games. Can you go two and two? Are you capable? Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, are you capable to go two and two over a four-game stretch in the middle of the season? And not everybody is. Not everybody is. I I think that the most majority of teams are looking at Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield and saying, yeah, I think both of these guys are. I think they're both capable of going two and two. So just a little NFL news. Like I said, next week is going to be, so March 17th is St. Patrick's Day, right? But the tournament starts the day before. Well, the field of 68 starts even two days before. That starts on Wednesday. Um, But NFL free agency starts on the 17th, but you're allowed to start talking to teams on the 13th. I'm telling you now, unless there is a earth-shattering kind of move, meaning we have an immediate move on, on Aaron Rodgers, and unless there's an earth-shattering kind of move, I can't spend too much time on that because we're going to be breaking down the brackets. We're going to be doing all the, all the games. I want to give you insight on that. So I wanted to touch on a little NFL news here, guys. Please enjoy the conference tournaments. Make sure you're very, very careful. Last thing I'm going to say, Be real careful with the conference tournament. So many people look at this as a time to build your bankroll for the the next week. Build your bankroll for the big brackets. And so many times, you destroy your bankroll. And then you're playing with pennies, and you're playing behind. You're trying to catch up during the brackets. You don't want to be in that position. And there's also the idea that, listen, there's a lot of afternoon games on, right? There's a lot of games during the day, and they stack the games during the day. And you have an opportunity to watch early games, the middle games. It's like every day is a Saturday. A lot of games, a lot of day games. If I win this one, I can parlay and I can roll it into that don't get into that look at these schedules like you normally would look at it make believe they're all playing at night make believe they're all playing the same kind of time and slate of games that is a big mistake that sports betters get into they want to roll it over they want to change it they want to parlay it they want to don't get cute just make a little bit of dough this week then you could go into the brackets with a little bit of a cushion all right guys that's going to do it for me i'm tom barton for wagering week we'll be back and you can bet on that This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.